Hello humans, hello humans. It's coffee break time. It's uh, May 27. About 9.15, something like that. Out in the greenhouse doing a bit of weeding. And a little bit of cleaning up and taking a break for a few minutes. Hello doggo. Anyway. Let's talk about time. Time is, in my view, time is what powers our reality, is this pulse. And the, um, the quote, aftermath of that pulse is what we call time. Um, and it's basically an injection of energy uh, into our area here. And the residual causes us to have this uh, sense of duration and the passage of time. And the pulse itself is the creation of the reality in our consciousness in this coordinated fashion. It, it gets real complex when you look at it at that level, but we needn't discuss it there today. Some of the interesting parts of this, though, is that time has, uh, is act, has active properties. Um, it's not a dimension. Okay. So Einstein came along and said, oh, well, we'll just treat time like it's, um, uh, any other dimension, right? So it's like distance, something like that. Hang on a second. Scritchy noise. Um, and it's not, time is not a dimension like distance. We can actually do things that alter, um, our reality through time. And Cozy Rev has a number of experiments that, that do this exactly and precisely and measurable. And we're on the process of identifying the active and dynamic qualities of time, uh, which can be um, manipulated and used by humans. Now, uh, time scales. So time stuff that we can actively uh, manipulate with our little experiments with bowls of water or mercury or lead weights or something like this, uh, the time stuff itself also affects uh, galaxies, you know, um, stars, planets, uh, humanity, uh, the materium itself, and so operates at that scale as well. Uh, time is a tool of universe and is um there's all these different uh, qualities that we put to it relative to our human experience uh, but we do know that there are um uh, differences in time based on the quality of the uh temporal flux if you will the flow of it all and so um our our solar system, in our, uh, as we're in the uh, third minor spiral arm of the Milky Way galaxy, our solar system, based on where it is, has an apparent 26,000 year revolution around the uh, center of the galaxy. This revolution is elliptical. Uh, it's not circular. This revolution, as an ellipse, has a very much uh, narrowed... Um, 
tail, so to speak. Okay, so our ellipse looks much more like a comet with its tail than a um, uh, any other form of an ellipse. The uh, tail part is elongated relative to the uh, position of the galaxy center uh, relative to our elliptical orbit. So we spend more of our time in the uh, area closer to galactic center as a solar system than we do spending time in the uh, tail end of it, so to speak. The tail end of it also seems to have a definitive hook where we sort of turn the corner. That turning the corner, all right, this great year takes um, 26,000 years approximately. It uh, can be divided in half into two 13,000-year segments. Uh, each segment can be thought of as either ascending, in which case we're, the, our solar system is moving closer to galactic center, closely, closer to the influences of galactic center, or it can be thought of as descending, in which case you're moving away from galactic center. Um, We consider that chunk of our exposure to galactic center to be the golden age. And in terms of the yugas, the yugas, there's four yugas. They're divided into gold, silver, bronze, and iron. We've just come out of the iron age, just come out of the Kali Yuga. We're out of it by about 325 years, a little over that. And um, so we have thousands of years to go before we get to the uh, silver age, um, the Bronze Age that we're in now, the Ascending Bronze Age, we're heading back towards the galactic center. That Ascending Bronze Age is 2,400 years long, and we're only into it 325 years. So uh, we've got over 2,000 years to go in this um, Bronze Age. Uh, we're going towards galactic center, okay? So there is a noticeable effect from uh, the Yugas, wherein... Uh, humanity has more get up and go and more going for it as we head into galactic center and we have less as we head away from galactic center and on our furthest point away from galactic center is we are at our most dense we ain't got shit we've just come out of this okay the kali yuga is um has was that part of our history where uh you didn't have electricity you had the bare minimum of um uh, stuff in the way of uh, energy. You didn't even apply the word energy to your own body. Uh, in fact, that, that's only in our lexicon since the early 1800s where they started applying some of these terms to the human body and stuff, and we started thinking about ourselves in a different way. Okay, so we can... Um, I'm not going to get into this too much. It's, it could take days, but we can plot uh, where we are... In, and we get, we have proof that we're no longer in the Kali Yuga. This is not a, um, a supposition. It's not a uh, abstract uh, mathematical calculation. There is definitive proof in our actions out here in reality. That definitive proof is the fact that we have electricity, the fact that we have mass communications, the fact that we have uh, growing science, the fact that we have uh, splitting, diversifying science, even however fucked up it is at the moment. 
so on and so on, right? So that we are in a period of growth. We're not in a period of becoming more dense. So on the other side, on the descending side, going into the Kali Yuga, there was a period of time in a Bronze Age, 325 years before we went into the Kali Yuga, where we started losing, well, we were losing, we were losing stuff all the time. We were losing the ability to do X, Y, Z, and this sort of thing, right? This is why we find all of these great uh, monuments and crap all over the planet, the, you know, the pyramids, these great cities, all the carvings in, on the temples in India, all of these different kinds of things that appear to have been done with, and we know, were done with a technology we no longer uh, have, and that that technology has been disappeared into, into the realm of history. This was as we were going into the descent into the Kali Yuga. We've rounded that descent, we've come out of the 1200 years of the Kali Yuga, and we're into the 325th year of the Bronze Age on an ascending fashion. And you will note, you know, we've invented, you know, LEDs, all these different kinds of things are all happening all at once, and it's just like this... Um, this bloom or explosion of new ideas, new thoughts, etc., etc. This is a very chaotic time indeed, as we know, and we have ourselves in the midst of a great war um, that actually has its roots in the uh, Kali Yuga, which I can go into in a minute. Anyway, one, a couple of things to note here. In the Bronze Age, in this particular time, we have got more subjects than you can imagine. And our school system is breaking down because it's still trying to teach subjects. So in my opinion, there is no fix for our school system if you're going to try and just teach um, uh, individual subjects to kids. How many, what how many and what subjects are you going to try and teach, right? It's not sufficient to teach simple mathematics. Uh, you need to now start thinking about teaching um, algorithm construction, design pattern, uh, you know, analysis for computer software, et cetera, et cetera, all that are based on uh, basically arithmetic and mathematics. And so we have all of these different kinds of things. So in my opinion, the way to approach this is to decide that schools are not for teaching stuff. We've got the internet. Uh, we've got all these other resources for learning stuff. So, in my opinion, schooling should be uh, to teach children how to find how they learn. Okay, so until you know how you learn, you're just stabbing in the dark at um, trying to acquire knowledge. Um, and uh, so for some people, they're going to learn a language best by hearing it spoken. Others are going to uh, want to learn to read it. Others are going to need to use AI for repetition to get the memory down, all different kinds of different approaches to this. And until you explore that and find out which way you learn, you may be choosing the wrong way to learn something, and therefore you will be failing just because you chose the wrong way to go at it. So if I were going to set this kind of thing up, I would teach kids um, how to discover how they learn. And that'll change over time. Uh, how you learn will change over time. So uh, they need to know that this is an ongoing process that they have to keep acquiring uh, and sharpening that particular skill. And then I would describe to them the basic shape of the learning universe. You know, this is what math is. This is what it's used for. Uh, this is what linguistics are. This is what they're used for. Uh, you know, this is what science is, and it, this is how it's used. And then show them all the cool stuff and let them and get out of the way and let them decide what they want to learn and then simply provide them the backup uh, to get into the individual subject to the depth that they want to do so. And then tell them, okay, now, in order to survive, 
You're going to have to understand certain things in our reality at a bare minimum. So let's devise a plan so that you will have these things acquired at a bare minimum level that makes you proficient and you can just get beyond what's going to be required. You know, being able to drive or read road signs or whatever it is, right? There's some basic level of understanding that everybody needs to have. And then you go on and learn whatever suits you really in this new modern age. And there's tons of stuff to learn and participate in. And so that would be my approach to dealing with being in the um, Bronze Age here with the explosion of new knowledge and, and um, new approaches to knowledge. Now, the war we're in at the moment... Okay, so let's be really factual and clear about this. Um, with the... Ex okay, so in the descending... Uh, part of our great year, we lost all kinds of information. Uh, at one point, they burned all the books in China, okay, like at a 200 AD or 200 BC or something. And this weird-ass emperor went ahead and burned all the books in China. Um, there was this guy that burned all of the uh, books. There were scrolls um, in northern India uh, at one point, and this was like I think 600 BC, I can't think of his name, um, but he, um, oh, they were convinced that books were bad and had evil and stuff in them, so they just decided to save their society the trouble, or whatever reason, and burned all the books. And uh, uh, reputedly, the burning of the books uh, lasted so long and was so fierce uh, that the um, sands and everything that around that area were baked, that were were vitrified by the heat that was generated, but that there was actually a uh, smoke column that could be seen a thousand miles away. So, um, um, you know, they, they really put some work into it. So we lost lots of information. Now, there is some stuff that's been saved, some stuff that was, you know, there was 10,000 books um, hidden in this one uh, Tibetan monastery. There was uh, uh, reputedly another 35,000 books written in uh, very, very ancient Sanskrit that were hidden in this particular, uh, behind a, a wall in a cave that is the back of this uh, other monastery in northern India, and so on. So there, there are repositories of some of this level of knowledge from the previous Golden Age that have survived, the previous Golden Age and Silver Age that survived and were hidden in the last Bronze Age. And so note that the at the time, uh, uh, they were in the golden age when they hid Gobekli Tepli, when they buried it so that it would survive. And there's probably other ones like that that were also hidden deliberately from what was going to happen, and they knew what was going to happen. Anyway, so um, so let's be real clear about this, that with the, with the exception, the presumed exception of the Jain religion, that's J-A-I-N, there's no other religion that has... Um, no other philosophical understanding that has come down to us from the uh, previous Silver Age. Okay, we think that the Jain religion appeared sometime in the previous, in the descending Bronze Age, in that um, uh, 2400 period, uh, 2400 year period, just before uh, getting into the Kali Yuga there. So, uh, let me see where... So probably three to 5,000 years back, uh, we start getting all different kinds of religions popping up. 
uh, Hindu religion, all these um, offshoots of that. Prior to that, it appears as though there was uh, what we can call the science, okay? And the science is the uh, Samkhya. And Samkhya is, the, uh, is a philosophical approach, scientific approach to determining who you are and what is the nature of universe by examining your consciousness and then everything that is not your consciousness as universe decides to, to present it to you. And noting the, um, not only what is being presented, but the order in which it's being presented and it's in a relationship with everything else that has ever been presented to you up until that point and all your knowledge. Um, and that from this, apparently, uh, Jainism uh, uh, became um, distinct sometime back, you know, in the, in the very beginning of the previous Bronze Age, uh, on the way down. Um, that was a coincident period uh, to all kinds of um, stuff in our history in which there were vast quantities of movement of people and um, uh, not er in some level of earth changes, okay, that we can get into. So um, these earth changes uh, at that period of time were the creation of deserts, basically, and uh, and may have also included the freezing of Antarctica. So Antarctica may not have been frozen uh, over uh, prior to about 8,000 years ago. And that that was uh, the case uh, that that the reason that it froze is the sort of like the opposite of the reason that we have the deserts in that there are some literature suggestions that there was an atomic war and that one of the weapons used in the atomic war was a scalar um, weapon that was like the reverse of an atomic weapon in that it didn't blow things up it it froze things and they froze Antarctica with this like you might think of it as like a directed energy weapon kind of cold beam sort of thing right that that's there are some hints of that in some of the the older literatures that that was the case. We also find that the uh, creation of all the religions, so Judaism uh, is a um, uh, Kali Yuga uh, thing, right? Um, and uh, as we're going in descending side, going into the Kali Yuga, um, Christianity wa- came about um, just as we're getting into the Kali Yuga. So these are all remnants of the Iron Age when we were wa- uh, where you didn't have energy. The best you had was a sailboat. Uh, we knew all of this stuff that we had designs for water wheels. We had designs for windmills, all of this kind of stuff, but no one built anything, right? No one did anything. Uh, there was not uh, a level of energy within humanity that allowed us to be that progressive and do shit. And this is uh, coincident with, of course, being the furthest possible distance away from galactic center. So the supposition from our own experience and from all of the science and stuff is that the closer you get to galactic center, and the reason we call these things the bronze, silver, and golden age is because you're exposed to more and 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 more energy at a consciousness level, and that truly your consciousness changes as a result of that. And you experience that consciousness differently than you will in the gold age, than you will experience in the silver age, than you will experience in the bronze age, than you will experience in the iron age. You're going to have many lives, so you will experience all of these. At some point, you'll connect with each of these different ages. Anyway, and so, um, and that this aspect of time scales, this is an aspect of the time stuff, this is an aspect of time 
doing this in order that there might be novelty, that there might be uh, disruption, that therefore could there could be recreation from the dis- the disruption. All of these things are necessary uh, that there might be novelty in our search for um, the actual new for for consciousness itself. Anyway, so um, so all of the religions basically uh, are artifacts of the Kali Yuga. And we are fighting now against the Khazarian Mafia. Now, the Khazarian Mafia uh, has deep inbuilt remnants of the Kali Yuga in it. So, um, there were no, insofar as we're able to determine in looking at ancient societies that we have physical evidence for uh, throughout uh, India, Africa, all these different kinds of places where there's, you know, remnant um, stuff about the social order, including even Brazil now in the Amazonian Valley, uh, we're finding, you know, the remnants of a rather sophisticated uh, a social order in terms of number of houses and granaries and this kind of thing, right? But anyway, we find that these people were not warlike. And thus, uh, you know, that makes sense that we we see in the uh, Jewish literature and, and other literature about how easy it was to conquer these people, how easy it was for the L, the space aliens to come down and conquer these people. And, uh, because they had, they were not defensive. They didn't have warfare as part of their, um, uh, the thing they did even, they didn't even consider it a feasibility. It didn't even take it into account. And we think of it as natural that, you know, there's enemies, etc. Prior to that time, apparently the concept of a generalized enemy state or war state didn't really exist. And so we see that they're conquered by the space aliens. We end up getting Judaism as a result of the interaction of the ill with the uh, Judeans and the Khazarians. And these people uh, solidify their power and stuff and come through the Kali Yuga. They have within their uh, religious structure as we see in Christianity, are remnants of uh, the Kali, one of the um, main horrific aspects of the Kali Yuga, which is this idea of uh, personal body sacrifice. All right, so prior to that period of time, uh, going back into Samkhya, we find the idea of um, discipline and austerity, and then over time it mutates down into like you know, serious sacrifice on yourself, you know, starving yourself in a fast to try and get um, uh, enlightenment the way that Buddha did, right? Eh, it doesn't work. It's stupid. It destroys your body. There's all different kinds of problems with it. And even Buddha comes out and says, oh, don't do this shit. Uh, but anyway, that was a, a Kali Yuga twisting of that discipline mindset that comes out of Samkhya that leads to this ultimate idea of personal sacrifice that then gets twisted over to actual physical sacrifice where uh, you conquer uh, a tribe and you kill, uh, you know, for political reasons as well, but you, you go through and you kill, you know, randomly one out of every 10 males that survives, you know, this, this kind of thing. And that leads to, these are all artifacts of the Kali Yuga. We don't find evidence of sacrifice at any level in pre-Kali Yuga civilizations, except for just before the period of time that Kali Yuga uh, starts up. So at the very tail end of the other Bronze Age, within that last, say, two or three hundred years of that Bronze Age, we start seeing signs of it. And it reaches its peak at about 500 AD, at the very peak of the, of the Kali Yuga. And it reaches its peak in Mesoamerica, where they were reputedly sacrificing between a quarter of a million and a half a million people per year, uh, cutting their hearts out, you know, very 
religiously and and systematically and precisely destroying the body, separating it out into all of the various different bones and storing all the bones separately and all of this kind of stuff, all about these rituals around the sacrifice aspect of it, right? And we see the the physical uh, sacrifice of uh, children in in Judaism and the um, and the um, reputed tainting of the of the Jewish um, uh, Talmudic philosophy with all this sacrifice stuff, which was actual physical sacrifice of children. We see it in the Old Testament where you know so and so is going to stick a knife in his kid, right? Um, and then uh, now even. Uh, uh, centuries later, even out of the Kali Yuga, there's still this taint against uh, Judaism relative to sacrifice. And we saw it as late as like the 1920s, where um, 300,000 Jewish people or more uh, were attending a um, big convention or something. I think it was in Chicago, and they did a uh, a ritualized sacrifice of a child in the belly of this uh, in this furnace thing. And, you know, to this day, nobody knows if it was a real child or if it was, um, uh, you know, a, a mannequin or what the hell was going on, really. We have film of it happening and everybody got really whipped up by it. But these are all remnants. We even see the sacrifice, the human sacrifice in the, in the wafer and the wine stuff in, um, ancient Christianity frozen by a, um, Khazarian takeover in 325 AD. So Constantine, who froze Christianity into, into Catholicism, it was 1200 individual sects of, um, of, uh, thought at that time. Uh, and he froze it into a, um, a religion and they called it Catholicism and he tied it to the, um, Old Testament, okay, which was at that point, of course, it was the Torah and it was being translated by these um, Jewish guys that were uh, also spoke Greek and a couple of Greeks who also spoke Hebrew. And this was all under the direction of Constantine. But Constantine was uh, in 325 AD was 100% captured um, by the Khazarian Mafia people, right? He had uh, his, and they do it through um, mistresses, and through drugs. Okay, so uh, Constantine had a Khazarian mistress, as did, um, trying to think of the guy's name, Justinian. So at the height of the Byzantine Empire, what happened to Constantine happened to Justinian, where he took a um, Khazarian mistress, who ultimately gets rid of the rest of the harem, and uh, using um, drugs, uh, captivates Justinian and takes over the uh, Byzantine Empire, and we see that within the next forty years the empire is destroyed. Now, there, there, it is true there are uh, consolidation waves, uh, origination waves, consolidation waves, and destruction waves for empire that re- relate also to the Kali Yuga and the um, uh, Dwapara, which is bronze yugas, right? And that this happens during this period of time. So this was not unexpected. It was just the um, the mechanism by which it was done uh, with the Khazarians is just very interesting. And they're using the same techniques, even to the point of using the uh, same uh, species. So there was this particular species of plant uh, I won't go into it. I, I know what it is and so on. Uh, but uh, And they got it out of Persia uh, in, in both cases, right? Or uh, what we would think of as Iran. And uh, this particular plant was used to create a 
a drug that is a mild hallucinogen, uh, an aphrodisiac, and even more importantly, it's a hypnotic. Uh, it's this weird hypnotic drug. And so uh, Constantine, uh, his mistress and Justinian's mistress were both thought to be witches and both had uh, because of their Khazarian nature, had contacts through uh, back through the Turkish peoples over to Iran, and they it's known that they imported this plant <coughs> to the respective courts in the empires they they were involved in, and so we see this influence throughout all of history. That's one of the things we're dealing with now is this war against the Khazarian mafia. So. We're, that's why I keep saying we're in the process of dealing with a 6,000-year-long battle. Okay. Um, there's also thoughts about that we can get into and discussion we can get into about why the L arrived when they did. Um, and why the Theoi and the other ones that arrived with the L did arrive at that time. Uh, there's also n- interesting notes that the Cathars, like the Khazarians, were driven out of northern India. The Cathars and the Khazarians both left, both were driven out of northern India by that war that created all of the deserts. That war involved the space aliens, the El and the Theoi and the, the um, uh, Divas. Uh, so basically, they're all space aliens. They're probably all the same group. We just have different names for them based on which group of human had to interact with them. <coughs> anyway, so um, uh, that happens all at the same time. And so the Cathars uh, go from northwestern India. They head down slightly south and then end up um, angling back up over to and settling in uh, the coastal areas in Europe. Uh, uh, within the, um, outside of the bounds of the Celts and the Picts and these other tribes that were existing, um, and that these people that came on over, the Cathars, ultimately, uh, blend in with all of the, uh, Europeans and, uh, become the Saxons and the Toots and, um, uh, other, te- uh, Teutonic, uh, tribes there. And, and, uh, that's where the, Cathari approach to religion uh, ends up in Europe. That's why it ends up in Europe. Now, uh, the Cathari um, religion is an interesting one, okay? So it's true that all religions stem from the uh, period of time of the Kali Yuga. It's a period of time when humans are so dense they, they can't think right. We don't have enough light from the galactic center to um, spark our consciousness and we have to do things through rote and through you can keep it keep it together basically by following the manuals by following protocol until we can get back to a period of time where we can think it our way out of the problem that's fundamentally a, a good description of what we have to go through as humanity um, there were and there still are um, uh uh, religious practices or philosophical practices that are not formalized religions that that are not uh, able to be tracked as such, but predate uh, the Kali Yuga and went through uh, from the previous Bronze Age, and they may have even come from the um, Silver or Gold Age. We just don't know. Uh, but Catharism or and Shamanism are two of these. And so the Cathari religion is just basically, it's not so much a religion as a 
um, personal experience, uh, uh, a philosophical approach of understanding a universe that goes back to Samkhya, uh, in that you examine yourself against what, what the materium presents to you. And this one does involve um, the use of ex, uh, ecstatic drugs in the sense of um, uh, hallucinogens and psychedelics and so on. So it's no different in that respect than the mysteries of Elysium or, um, uh, you know, indigenous people eating uh, uh, peyote cactus here in the Americas, which we know goes back at least 6,000 years. And that may indeed have been pre-Ice Age. There's some suggestion of that. Anyway, so long understanding of all this, but time participates at a scalar level and is influencing humanity through the um, through those aspects as it influences us individually. And so we will find that as we go forward, so everybody who's younger than me, who's going to live longer than me, will find that their uh, minds will actually benefit going forward in time. Even though you're aging, you won't... Um, uh, necessarily age and deteriorate mentally the way that previous generations have. And, and so we will lose a lot of that, right? Um, th and a lot of the shit that we're carrying with us comes out of the mindset of these people that we're battling that want to keep us in the, in the Kali Yuga. And so these are the people that want to do the human sacrifice. These are the pedophiles and so on. All this is old Kali Yuga shit. We're dropping that as we go forward and our minds expand and the universe won't permit it to continue. So we know that these guys are going to lose. This is a good part. You know, as we're going into a, um, we're in the new age of Aquarius, we're 325 years into the bronze age. And in these, as we go forward, more and more of the shit that was put upon humanity in the Kali Yuga falls off. And it is doing so not with, uh, you know, as a, as an aspect of the materium, as an aspect of universe without us necessarily having to do a whole lot relative to that. So we know that the, basically the trends are friend and we can harmonize with it and, uh, benefit from this harmonization. And we know that the, um, uh, the stupid, sacrifice people, the, you know, the blood drinkers, the name stealers, and this kind of thing are not going to come through in these next few, uh, hundred years for sure. And that there is, that they will not make it into the silver age. Uh, they probably won't make it even halfway, uh, through what's, what's left in the bronze age. They're due to have a, uh, a major mm, reduction in power as we get through this next little bit of, um, uh, increased energy. Um, so each and every one of these things that increases the uh, individual human potential causes a disruption in those people that get power by having humans be reduced, right? Slaves and so on. So, for instance, we know that uh, Zionism is doomed. There's never going to be any god that's going to come back and give any of these Jews a thousand goy as slaves. No matter how much these people work towards that end, they are doomed because that's a Kali Yuga manifestation and they're so stupid they don't know we're out of the Kali Yuga and that time does not support this anymore. <coughs> now, one last thing and I'll shut up and then I'll get some more work done here. Um... As we go through from uh, Golden Age down to Silver Age, down to Bronze Age, and then into Kali Yuga, and then 
in that period of time, we go from whatever energy sources were used by humans to do all that fantastic stuff in the Golden Age and the Silver Age. And then as we go down in through the Bronze Age, we probably drop down ultimately into electricity and then ultimately into steam and then finally into, uh, you know, um, powering everything by shoving grass in a in a cow's mouth, uh, ox's mouth and hitting him with um, a whip on the butt to make him go, right? <clears throat> so that we get denser over time, we also lose um, capacity over time as we go down in this cycle, and we also lose uh, energy sources. But guess what? Now we're in the up cycle. We're in the the, um, uh, the beneficial, the, um, uh, the harmonious side of the cycle for us, and we're gaining energy sources back. Look at how many more energy sources we have now. Look at how many different kinds, how much we're splitting the understanding of energy and getting further and further into it, et cetera, et cetera. I'm of the opinion that electricity is, has limited use as we go forward and that we will lose electricity as a primary energy source as we understand it now. And we will go to something that will be very much decentralized. And that, uh, by the way, centralization is part of the Kali Yuga and it's something that's going to drop away and fade away. All this stuff is going to fade. This is why I was going to say, you know, it's best to teach your own kids, teach them how they, you know, help them discover how they learn themselves and then you know, give them the basic books, give them, um, you know, loom of language, um, mathematics for the million, um, uh, biosphere by Vernadsky and, um, a couple of other books. And then say, here, these are your base resources, work off of these, you can trust these, and we can filter everything through these, uh, books here. And then what do you want to explore, kid? I'll help you out. Anyway, though, so as we go forward here, I'm of the opinion we're going to lose electricity as a primary power source, and we'll be moving into a new form of physics that, because uh, our old physics, bear in mind, extends from the remnants of the Kali Yuga. It's, um, it's an understanding of everything as grit, as materialism, and we need to get out of that. We need to start understanding everything as vibration and energy the way Tesla did. Also, um, uh, and so we will do that. I'm of the opinion that time powers everything at a level of a uh, vibratory frequency and is 22 trillion times a, a second. Um, anyway, though, so uh, we can get into that. We, we're we actually being able to make some headway with our time experiments here. And I've got to we're going to do one um, around the planet here, probably sometime in fall um, where we're going to uh, I won't go into it <laughs> anyway, though. So. Um, so I'm of the opinion that we're about to shift in another energy sources, that we'll have new energy sources and this kind of thing, that we are not in a degradation uh, level. We're in a very fantastic change level uh, where we're going to be losing. Uh, this is the last gasp of the Kali Yuga people, right? This is the last gasp of the human body sacrifice guys with all of this trans shit. You know, chop your dick off for the greater God of our cult. That kind of thing, right? Um so this is the last guess. This is not a continuing thing. These people are self-destructive, and this is going to uh, universes in materium is aiding that destruction because it needs to get them out of the way such that we can grasp this um, uh, next bit of, of um, impulsive energy that will be coming our way out of galactic center that, once again, is going to change all of humanity and upwire us, so to speak. So anyway, uh, that's the thought on time today. I'm really getting into this shit with um, uh, the Cozy Rev experiments. And uh, as I say, we've had some success uh, in this. Now, bear in mind what this implies, okay? So the implication is that if I'm correct and there is a vibratory frequency uh, of universe that 
powers a non-steady state universe at something over a trillion times a second flashing. And I think it's 22 trillion, but it doesn't matter. The actual numeric of it is, is immaterial. But the implication is that there would be some subharmonic that you could discover and you could just simply create a chip that wanted to vibrate at that particular frequency. So maybe we're talking, you know, uh, 22 billion times a second. I don't know, right? Some fantastically fast vibratory uh, state, but there is some subharmonic of the um, uh, flash rate of universe at which you could have a chip in its static state sit there and simply generate electricity for you because of the nature of what you would do to create that chip in harmonizing with the um, pulse in order to create that subharmonic. And so that would be your free energy. You would have to create the chip. You'd have to put energy into making the fucker, and it would not be trivial to do so. But once you'd made it, it would be a fuelless form of electricity that could just be plugged into shit. So you might have something like the size of a USB that you would just go and plug into something that was like a USB port, and that would be your power source for that device. And it would basically last as long as the material of that device, uh, of the chip, could withstand that level of vibration. And uh, so I would expect the first ones would basically, we wouldn't know what we were doing, and they would just flash into existence, create a shitload of electricity, and then go poof because they were not engineered correctly to withstand the vibratory uh, stresses on the material. But that over time, we would get them to where they would be fairly long-lasting. And so you could make one that might, you know, power a device for a thousand years or something. Anyway, so so that's, and this is an aspect of the energy, the refinement of that energy, the, the getting out of the materialism and everything that is an aspect of time as an active component of universe, which you just don't find anybody who understands anything from Einstein's perspective dealing with, because Einstein reduced time to a dimension, okay? And so... Uh, so Einstein said in all of his equations that you might as well be dealing with distance whenever you dealt with time. And this is why we get this effect in all of these weird-ass quantum equations where when you go to measure it, the waveform collapses and you get a number. But that the quantum uh, science, so to speak, itself doesn't tell you why that should occur. I can tell you why that should occur. And it's because Einstein took time and made it into a dimension, and it is not. We can demonstrate this by taking time stuff and doing active things with it in our reality. And so I'm not able to take space out of the distance between myself and this tree over here and do anything with that space, right? So I can't, it's like 25 feet. So I can't take any of those feet out and I can't put any more feet in there. So I know that this dimension exists and it's, it's fixed. It has an enumeration that is fixed and won't change as long as none of the, as long as the tree doesn't change its position and I don't change mine. That's not true of time. We can actually take um, extra time stuff and shove it into the, the time space, so to speak. We need a whole new language to discuss all of this, but we can actively do that with Cozy Rev's experiments. And he has done that. And there's others out there doing that as well. Uh, and so you can, you can take stuff out of time and manipulate it, concentrate it and use it. So you cannot concentrate distance. I cannot take 
distance out of the space between me and Alpha Centauri and do anything with it. But I can do that with time. And also, if we examine this and we take time and say it's not a dimension, and then we that instantly changes all of the um, calculations, and you don't have to worry about curving space because they're, they're what you're having to do in all of those weird ass um, calculations is curve space time, so to speak, in order to accommodate the the collapse of the time wave. Um, you know, which, like I say, is horseshit. Time is not a dimension. And I won't, won't ramble on about that anymore. But Einstein is a, um, uh, he's actually a remnant of the Kali Yuga. He's, so because he was, uh, his, he was on the cusp. But he's a remnant of the Kali Yuga because he's trapped in materialism. As are all of the current atheistic, mostly Jewish uh, physicists. All of that physics is trapped in this um, child sacrifice, uh, you know, body sacrifice, um, materialistic grit view of the world that is so Kali Yuga and is dying. And we just need to get beyond it and we'll discover all different kinds of stuff that'll be really cool. Anyway, I got to get some more coffee and get the dog in and, and get some work done. Yeah, yeah, you get to go in now. Okay. Good girl. Woof. Anyway, okay guys, talk to you later.